Hello students and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by podcast host, content creator, and Muppets aficionado, Elise Willems. And today we're talking about Chris Claremont's 1986 New Mutant story, Aftermath, that covers issues 38 through 40. Hello, Elise. Hello, John, Professor... <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you. I definitely don't have a doctorate in anything whatsoever, other I, than reading comics for too much. I I would wager the amount of co- comics I know historically of you having read that you have an honorary <laughs> doctorate in this because you of most people uh, are a expert in this. I I would say I I would wager my life if I had a gun to my head and someone said Elise, you need to phone a friend, ask him a question about the X Men. I would call you. No I, questions I, you asked. You know what? That means a lot. That means a lot. I'm just trying to cement that into everybody's head. Um, <laughs> mostly just so they'll talk to me about comics. Yeah. <laughs> um, because, yes, that is the origin of the show. I grew up reading comics and had barely anybody to talk to them about. And so now I force my friends um, in our 30s to talk about them with me. Um, and ha- Have you talked what? on the show about what drew you to comics? Um, I, I went over a little bit of my origins of like that. It was, uh, I knew about comics to a degree. Like my first comic is technically a Batman comic. And so I liked that. Um, but a friend came to school in second grade with a toy of Nightcrawler. And I was uh, enthralled by this little blue elf. Um, and the the rest, as they say, is history. I, uh, I just uh, immediately got into comics and found my local comic shop and have not stopped reading since. I love that. You're just sparked you. by something unique. Yeah, I mean that's that's how it is. When, like when you're a kid, or even as an adult, we just get hyper fixations and find our our niche. And I have um, I've loved these uh these little guys since then. Are you excited but, for the new show? Sorry, I'm derailing this completely. No, I apologize. you derail all. You you're a podcast host as well. I'm I'm gonna be battling for hosting <laughs> uh, this entire time. <laughs> no, it's okay. You're fine. Um, you talking about the new cartoon? Yeah, I just want to. I I are you excited? You you hesitant or like what's the vibe? You know, I've been. I've been burned <laughs> by yeah. X-Men projects before. Um, so I'm holding a, a healthy, you know, uh, caution. Um, but I'm excited because I, I, yeah, I'm starved for uh, non-comic related X-Men content. And, uh, I, it, you know, it's a cartoon. And I love, that's one of the best versions in history of X-Men depictions was the original 90s Fox cartoon. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping we can... Uh, encapsulate a little bit of that magic and I, I like the cast of characters that they've chosen for it um so uh some of which are in this comic we read um but enough about me let's talk about you elise what is your background in comics in general and then just you know x-men specifically if you want to get into that well clearly i was trying to deflect there <laughs> because i was never a huge fan of the x-men cartoon even though i know it's lauded as like one of the best comic cartoons of the 90s uh and i think it just it just never came to me to to watch it but um too busy watching muppet baby yeah (laughs) exactly uh i do like comics and i am somebody that uh, had a definitely a phase in my life uh where college post-college where like i was reading a ton of comics and i i would read superhero stuff but a lot of it was it's a superhero comic, but it has a little bit of a skew to it. So it was like Spider-Man Blue or mm. it was Superman Red Sun or Watchmen or it was just like a flip on just reading a course of a, of a new run of a comic. It, I, I yeah, was yeah, always yeah. interested in how does somebody interpret the, this and flip it on its head. Mm-hmm. 
I was a big fan and still am more of, I'd say, literary comics, for lack of a better term. So I was really into like fables and I'm going to turn to my shelf now and cheat and see what I've got up there. Oh, Paper Girls. All great um, choices. Umbrella Academy, of course. That's a good one. Uh, Unwritten. Mm-hmm. I really liked like Lock and Key, of course, and Preacher. Yeah. I read all of some and, Vertigo and some Image in there. Yeah, kind of those as far as publishers. Yeah, those publishers that were sort of doing, trying new stuff, different IPs, unique things. That was where I was kind of gravitating to Chew when it first came out. Um, That's a good one too. And Sweet Tooth when it you know was doing its initial run. I also had a friend who worked a, com- a comic book store. And so it would always be like really, really handy with recommendations. Nice. She'd be great for this show. Well, you just gave my audience a lot of great recommendations. So everybody who is listening, you can write down all those titles that Elise just listed. (laughs) And they are definitely, they're they're good picks. Uh, Fables actually, I think was like my introduction to like, um, I think Vertigo was, is their publisher. And I immediately, I think I I checked out a Fables book from the library. Oh, yeah. Um, That's how I read a lot of them. And I also, there, I broke my hand and I was in a cast for about two months and it was really heavy and I had surgery and it was a whole thing. And I was, it was the summer and I was inside like Jimmy Stewart in rear window where I was just watching everybody else have fun. A a timely (laughs) reference. Yeah. (laughs) I was watching everyone else enjoy their summer and have fun. And I just plowed through about a hundred issues of fables because I really couldn't do anything else. It's easily consumed that t- that title yeah. specifically. You just want to keep getting to the next issue. Yep. Is that well, how? That's, you, those, that's great. Is that, is that how you feel about X Men? Um, I mean, it depends. It, it um the, the part of the fun of comics in general is that uh, especially with these long lasting titles, is they get handed over to new writers all the time, and new new artists as well. And so it can. Um, people often ask me, you know, they're they're like, uh, you know, who's your favorite uh, character or who's your uh, your least favorite character? And I'm like, it really depends on who's writing these people because there are good runs of characters and just terrible ones that we try to forget existed. Um, isn't that so cool? Like I read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, and yeah. that was a character I had like zero interest in. Same. And immediately and it- the interpretation elevated it. Yeah, I never was interested in in that character. He's the least favorite Avenger of mine. And then when Matt took it over, I was like, people kept talking about it and I kept seeing the art and I was like, well, this looks cool. And it was amazing. Um, Yeah, and it's also part of the, I think the beauty of comics is that with the change of, you know, new authors comes the opportunity for new, you know, views and and opinions and perspectives and and diverse, you know, um, uh, stories. And uh, that's kind of how like, you know, especially the X-Men have recently evolved into having such a, a a diverse cast of people who are penning these characters. So now it's like you see so much more representation and so much so much more range in, in what they're they're dealing with and that kind of thing. Whereas a lot of these comics and just the comic industry in general, you know, was originated by a bunch of, you know, just white dudes, um, oh, you know, yeah. all writing the same <laughs> stories. Yeah, it feels really great. Like I, I was never a um, like superhero convert, you know, never really that big on it as a kid necessarily. But as I got older, I really liked that new voices were telling these stories and the, the trope version or stereotype that I had in my mind got like completely wiped clean. Yeah. Some of these characters, thanks to these writers that you're describing and these different mm-hmm. approaches. Well, that's a wonderful origin of comics. I'm I'm curious. Um, prior to this, had you read oh. much X Men? 
So I, I remember like years ago, either my husband James or our roommate had kind of like an X-Men compendium. I don't remember what it was called though. Okay. Yeah. One of those larger collections. Yeah. And I remember at one point just kind of like browsing through and flipping through and checking out some of that, but I've never sat down really and read X-Men comics. My familiarity is mostly with the movies and Mm -hmm. I'm, I have, I'm infamous for loving uh, say it. The, the third X-Men film. X-Men The Last Stand. X-Men The Last Call Stand. <laughs> I, I'm Proudly. A big, I'm a big proponent of that movie. I think it's really fun. And uh, <laughs> probably this will discredit me for the rest of this podcast. But uh, it, I also think like the way that the movies were able to kind of retcon or play with the time jump and like revisit characters, reintroduce them into the universe, the original mm-hmm. actors. I like love that in the movies. That that was very good fan service when they when you know uh, uh, Patrick Stewart shows up again you know after we've seen yeah. um, what's and, his face yeah oh yeah Professor X McAvoy yeah and you and me were both Fraser heads so of course so. we love was seeing when Kelsey. he was <laughs> always <laughs> and forever always. so we love seeing Kelsey Beast hey, well, that was the good Beast I'm sorry that well, X Men Last Stand I'm not a huge fan of that movie but like uh, that was that's my Beast thank you. So do you, are you a Days of Future Past fan? As far as the films? Yeah. I don't love really any of the films. I have qualms with all of them. There's There are elements of, I'd say, each of them that I think are great. And then there's elements that are just um, not my thing. Some more than others. Like I flat out, I don't think I like anything about like X-Men Apocalypse or oh, well, Dark Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. But um, Days of Future Past has a lot of great stuff about it. And I think it's a pretty decent adaptation of that story. Um uh, you know, utilizing it to uh, connect the canon of the movies at the very least. Um, but I actually, not too long ago, like sometime last year, I did. I was like, I'm going to do a, a watch through of uh, the original ones and see how bad even just the first X-Men ages. Um, and I, I remember watching it that time with much less harsh eyes. Um, mm-hmm. And while at the time I was like, you know, I had gripes about it later on. And I think, you know, there could have been some stuff about it better. And obviously I don't really support the creator himself of the film the director yeah um but uh you know i there's a reason why i loved you know james marsden as cyclops and and mm-hmm. famka jensen as as gene and and my god rebecca romaine as, as oh my mystique, uh my queen <laughs> um and so yeah i if i had to pick one i think i actually gravitated mostly to, uh, to x-men 2 the most i think x-men 2 was the strongest um at least like story and balance of action and character development um and uh it, 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 you know i thought that was even like one of the best versions of wolverine other than logan i guess logan actually honestly would be the best on logan was mm-hmm. almost perfection in my eyes um I, I guess like i i always thought that x-men 2 was regarded as like the best of those movies mm-hmm. i liked wolverine i think it's wolverine 3 where they go to japan wolverine 2 the wolverine Wolver- oh the wolverine oh, okay yes the wolverine yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that one was, was not bad. I rewatched that as well. I remember disliking it a lot more the first time I saw it, and I think now I again it was I was like this wasn't that bad. This is actually pretty solid. Um, I think I, a lot of times with these films, I've, I went in with expectations or predetermined like requests, and since they didn't, if they didn't give me those, then I was like, ah, I didn't like this. Um, were, were they expectations, <laughs> John? Thank you, thank you, Elise. That's the reason why I invited you on the show. <laughs> 
Um, and the, one of the main reasons was I want to talk about the new mutants. We're talking about the new mutants. This is the first time on the, the podcast we've talked about the new mutants. I've, I've referenced them before, but we have not gone over a specific title in the new mutants. And I'm going to ask right now, did you ever, had you ever heard of this title before? Yes. Before I, even the movie. I was familiar with the new mutants, but okay. only in title, not really in much context or background. Right. And the way you presented this topic to me, you gave me two options to choose from. I don't remember how you presented the other one, but you described this as like Magneto daddy. Uh, <laughs> I did. I did. I did. So and I was like, OK, well, well, I, I like to ask all my guests if they have a character they really like or if even more specific if true. There's an era or something like that. And you said you like Magneto and you asked if that was basic. And I was like, good God, it's not. What a good choice of a character to like. Um fantastic character that has gone through so well, again, many changes a great moment from x-men last stand you know magneto a holocaust survivor you know a needle will never touch my skin again i Delivered have no complaints of ian mckellen with such gravitas by sir ian mckellen <laughs> i agree i agree the man uh was able to deliver whatever lines they give him um with uh just a splendor that uh, i don't think many can reach yeah um and I mean, Charles always said we should build bridges. Just a great line. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> uh. almost as good as uh, as uh, anything that the Juggernaut said. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, you wanted Magneto. I give you a couple options, as you recalled, and uh, this was one. Um, I myself have not read a ton of the new mutants um, but i've always liked the team i liked them later on they they got transitioned into another title called x-force um with like cable and stuff and uh and then even right now um with the the soft reboot they did you know in 2019 with uh the house of x and powers of 10 um they also relaunched a bunch of titles and new mutants is one of them and i I think I said this before on the show, but if you want to read a really good run of a comic, read the 2020 um, relaunch of New Mutants. Um, it's fantastic. It, it includes a lot of this original cast, but then it has some new people as well, um, penned by some just amazing people. And so I'm excited we got to talk about this. This was, as I read it, I was like, I really did throw you in the deep end as far as a lot of information and a lot of characters, didn't I? Yeah, and and I don't I don't mind it because I will say I was intrigued. I, I was very very intrigued reading these three issues that we covered, and I have questions for you. But <laughs> you um, you know, because I just I just didn't have the context of the movies, which is really my guiding, uh, you know, stone right. like post for the X Men right. traditionally. But I was really intrigued because I'm like, who are these characters? They're lying down into graves. <laughs> what is happening? Yeah, I like that very macabre aspect of it. But I was, Ooh. I was a bit. And I connected I, that to you, <laughs> Miss no, you Miss didn't. Podcast Host of Thirty Morbid Minutes, oh, Queen did. of the Macabre. You did, did, you did not, you did not, not admit it. <laughs> but I, I did, did not. That is very fortuitous. I did love that, and I really want, like, I want to know the background on that more. And I was hoping well, you'd explain I'll, it to me. Yeah, I'll give you a little bit of brief history on the New Mutants because yeah, it's it's from the 1980s. Um, it's not a main X Men title; it doesn't even have X Men in the name. Um, but it was one of the first, if not the first, spinoff uh, series for X Men. Basically, in the 1980s, the X Men were hot, hot, hot. 
1975, I believe, was when they did the the, the reboot um, with the release of Giant Size X-Men number one, which was the introduction of characters like Colossus and Wolverine and Storm and all that. So from that point on, for years, the X-Men were under the 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 author of Chris Claremont, um, one of my my all time favorites. Uh, we're doing so well. And so the editor-in-chief of uh, Marvel at the time, uh, uh, Schuster, he told Chris, he's like, I want a another X-Men title, um, and I want it now. Um, and actually, at first, Chris was actually, he didn't really want to do it. Um, he thought X-Men should stay special and singular and want to just focus on the, the X-Men title itself. Um, but eventually, you know, as the boss can... Uh, commit you to doing he um, went ahead with this and actually the title of it is a play on the original title that was supposed to be for the x-men they were actually originally called the mutants and so the editor-in-chief was like i need a, a story about the the new mutants and they just went with it um and so they told the story of uh, a professor X at the time who uh, was a bit despondent about uh, taking on any new students. His, his X-Men had seemed to have died in, in a sort of a crazy adventure in space. Um, and he was like resigned to like, I'll never teach again, you know, and we all know that's BS. Um, the, the man's got to keep teaching baby mm-hmm. mutants. And so he, through a few events, came across some new uh, students, some some new, like a teenager mutants, because at that time, while the origins of the X-Men was, a bunch of teenagers who were, you know, living at a school, Professor X and, and um, you know, uh, playing superhero. At that point, 1980s, they'd kind of grown up and had turned into kind of like, you know, adults in their 20s and that kind of thing. And so this was Chris kind of re-bottling that original, like, magic of watching a bunch of teenagers with superpowers kind of figure out their stuff out. And the New Mutants even did it even more so, uh, more like dealt with kind of heavier topics than even the original x-men because the original x-men written by jim lee was more so an adventure comic it was just these they went through weird crazy adventures and it wasn't really about characters but chris claremont loves to write characters and he loves to write drama and so the new mutants was that and I, I, this is a very the one we read the story is a very dramatic story um that they're dealing with the aftermath which is why it's called that um of a big event that happened in a giant crossover event uh, you probably have heard the title secret wars right now yes. it's 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 going to be a, a um a movie coming up sometime in the mcu slate Secret Wars um, was a very large crossover event. Um, and then as they do with any successful story, they made a sequel, Secret Wars 2. And so what happened in Secret Wars 2, we won't get into it because it's a long convoluted story, but essentially... Well, it, it, I think like it would give me some context because they the comic does this thing too where it has these little footnotes with asterisks. Yes. Where it's like, you know, refer to issue, blah, 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 secret. And I'm yes. like, I this is so out of my realm. Um, well, I, I can summarize it pretty pretty easily, actually. And uh, since the New Mutants weren't the the hugest part of Secret Wars, it was a whole like Avengers and Spider Man and all that kind of a big old crossover event. However, it did involve a big baddie, and his name was the Beyonder. He's a very like universally powerful being that could yeah, rewrite reality. It's like one of those like celestial kind of yes body things. Or yeah, yeah, baddies. yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so how would you say a character like that ranks in power compared to like a Thanos or a um, 
Jonathan Major's character from the new movies. I forget his name now. <laughs> Kang. <laughs> Kang. Uh, um, uh, as powerful, if not more powerful than Thanos with the Infinity Gauntlet. Um, the Beyonder could basically whatever he thought he could make happen. He had that ability. But he's kind of one of those characters that didn't start off bad, was kind of like fascinated with the minutia of humanity and actually tried to learn about it and got, you know, interested in things like, you know, technological gadgets and that kind of thing. But as all these stories go, his his like a uh, relationship with humanity went sour and he got into a big old fight with all of uh, the Marvel's heroes and he came across the new mutants and in um, an issue of the new mutants that was a connected, you know, like kind of one of those tie in issues with secret wars Two, he fought the new mutants and um, by fought, I mean, he just basically played with them um, trying to get them to understand like, you know, his side of like trying to just um, uh, understand his story, but instead they fought and he one by one, um, killed them all um and a lot of them watched their teammates die in front of them um one at a time until the last one had fallen and they were they were all dead dead um but in secret wars uh two he uh in in his demise um and and with some like some weird celestial machines uh the new mutants were resurrected but they were resurrected with all the memories of dying and watching all their friends die. That I kind of garnered from reading this where it also yeah. seems like their consciousness is in this weird limbo state of like trauma and yeah. they don't really know how to process everything that happened to them or what they are now. It's it's yeah. a little bit akin to uh, how a lot of people are describing the, you know, the young generation of kids right now who are, uh, dealing with the aftermath of living through a pandemic where these kids go through trauma at such a, uh, you know, the like formative age. age. Yeah. yeah. And it has, you know, lasting ramifications. And so if you take that and multiply it to the nth degree of like literally remembering your own death, um, and the death of your closest friends and family, essentially, um, that's what's going on. So yes, the, that's what happens. Why we open up in this issue and Magneto is, you know, trying to figure out, like, how do I snap these kids out of the depression caused by experiencing their own death and, and really coming to terms with how fragile their humanity is. So they, why do they go in the graves? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, we, the, the beginning of the comic is like a series of like, you know, watching them fight the Sentinels and then it goes into shifts into them fighting the Hellions. They're, they're kind of like rival school oh, yeah, team yeah. of other mutants. Which is that Kate or not Kate, um, Emma Frost is. That's Emma Frost. Yeah. yeah. Which what's her bag? Like what are her, I never really know her powers. I know her from the X-Men oh, movies could... where she was played by January Jones and didn't really yes. do much. No, because they, that was a bad portrayal of her. Um, I could spend a whole podcast talking about Emma Frost. I adore this woman as any uh, queer person does, um, especially the queer men. Um, and she, she originally was a, uh, she was kind of a part of this, this secret rich people illuminati-esque society called the hellfire club essentially like this this long you know not ancient but you know very old secret society mostly of just like rich men who were you know sh uh, making things happen in the world and and manipulating governments and that kind of thing which it was originally just rich men but then it got eventually taken over by rich mutant men is and this so it became 
is this where sorry to interrupt but is this where they no. got the name for their club and stranger things from or are those unrelated um uh, it's they are related um but the hellfire club itself that title um they the x-men comics didn't originate that term um and oh, so okay, gotcha. i don't i don't know where uh uh oh, the I stranger see. things got i got gotcha. but okay but it has made me sad that people associate now Hellfire Club with Stranger Things because I'm like, I've been reading X-Men and Hellfire Club, you know, since I, you know, since the 80s. And I'm like, no, it's that, it's that, yeah. it's the X-Men comics. But yeah, she was a member of that. Um, she originally was like, um, almost like a call girl of it, but then rose the ranks and became one of their upper echelon. And so they were all titled after like chess pieces. And so that's why she's the white queen. Um, Ooh. And, uh, and so from that, she then also uh, formed her own rival mutant team of students because they, the Hellfire Club thought that they could write the history of the next, you know, write the future of the next generation of mutants if they, you know, taught them themselves. And so, yeah, in, the, uh, in her school, the Massachusetts Academy, Hellfire Massachusetts Academy, she was, her school was a bunch of like students, humans as well, but then her little secret group, the Hellions, were the mutants, and they were like the rival school of the new mutants. So can you remind me where Charles is and all this? Because like Magneto has right. the other group of kids. Yes. Um, and, and he's always kind of lamenting. <laughs> what's going on he that is was he's, my interpretation he's, he's a very uh sad and confused dad in this one because he doesn't know how to fix the emotions of his students because his previous you know workings have often just been solved by him causing wanton mayhem and destruction um but dealing with like moody teenagers that's rough um i'm dealing with it right now uh <laughs> with my kids um but to answer your question so you do know this the white queen's powers is that she's a psychic um not the most powerful psychic but a, but a powerful one nonetheless um and later on she gathered a secondary mutation um in the 2000s that allowed her to turn into diamond which is why you see that in uh, the first class the film um where she's able to turn her body into a living diamond kind of being um, and so, yeah, so she's kind of a rival mutant and she, she uses her psychic powers in this story, um, which is why you see that there. Um, why is Magneto in charge of the new mutants at Xavier's school for gifted youngsters? Very good question. Um, Professor X had actually started the new mutants, but a little bit before this, in fact, um, for the run of the new mutants for this title, Magneto was actually the professor the longest, uh, of the students. Professor X, um, long story short, Professor X almost got turned into basically the x-men's version of xenomorphs aliens he almost got turned into their queen they're called the brood um and so he kind of went through a little bit of a patrick stewart lacutus thing from next generation deep cut nerds will get that reference um and he had gone through that it almost killed him but he survived but he was hurt badly so he went to space with his alien queen girlfriend wife sometimes um, that's all you can do you got you know broken arm we'll go to space <laughs> His, uh, yeah i mean he was like the consort of this uh, queen of the shiar empire named lalandra um and they had it was like one of those things where it's like they have the technology to help him recover from this alien you know queen seed that was stuck inside of him and almost turned him into an alien himself <laughs> and um, we tossed him in an iron lung <laughs> we did the alien, the space version of an iron lung. Yeah. Thank you, a space iron lung. 
And so while he left to go do that, um, he left Magneto in charge and Magneto had kind of been going through a little bit of his own, um, rehabilitation. Um, he had started to kind of work with the X-Men a little bit. He had actually gone through this big event called the trials of Magneto, where he was put on trial by like the United Nations. Um, and wait, uh, so sorry, I'm so sorry. Why was he on trial for, <laughs> from the United Nations? Um, so basically, <laughs> uh, mystique, who was uh, at one point in charge of took over Magneto's group of mutants called the the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants uh-huh. um, turned uh, or actually got kind of captured by the U.S. government and then became a employee of them and turned the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants into a different team called Freedom Force. And Freedom Force's first mission for the U.S. government was to hunt down and capture Magneto. And so uh. once they caught him, they did what you obviously do with the mutant terrorists and you put him on trial. <laughs> I thought he like broke the Geneva convention or something. I'm like, I mean, he what? did. <laughs> yeah. I guess. Um, I mean the man, uh, tried to steal nuclear, mm-hmm. you know, missiles from the U S government, um, which is a no, no, as far as I know. Um, so this was Magneto through his history since the 1960s has, he's a rabble rouser. He's gone from like mutant terrorist to like, uh, X-Men, uh, ally back to uh you know mutant uh tyrannical like savior back to you know friends with professor x like you even see it again to reference stuff that people can can understand like the the movies you know we've got different times where magneto is is on the up and up and kind of just trying to live a straight life and then times where he's upset that someone killed his kid and stuff like that um so right now we are in this this story is covering a time when he's really trying his best to just actually be a headmaster of the school, lead these students to, you know, master their powers and live in a society that fears and hates them. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but sorry, I'm so Charles is in space. He's in space. He's in space. The space iron um, lung. Okay. Yeah. And that's why um, I think in the second issue, uh, when he tries to take them to Magneto tries to take his students to like a like a, a discotheque for like some some frivolity to break them out of this. Yeah. He's <laughs> he's um, talked to by people who reference him as Professor X's like cousin, I believe, um, like his secret cousin, because um, that's the story they made to cover up because uh... people know who Magneto is at this point, at least by name. And so he couldn't go by that name or also people would be like, um, the mutant terrorist is running this school over here because also you got to think about it. Um, this is a point in history where Professor X's school is still secret. They, it's just supposed to be a regular school for gifted youths. Gotcha. Um, people don't know that mutants live there um, and that mutants are that even the new mutants are mutants themselves. Gotcha. Um, which is why in the third issue of this, when the Avengers are met with the new mutants, they're like, who are these kids? They don't know them. And so if we're looking at kind of a grid of like good, you know, chaotic, neutral, uh, chaotic, evil, good, neutral, like, like where does someone like Emma Frost fall compared to like a Charles Xavier, a Magneto? She's also gone through some some evolutions, uh, if you will. Um, but at this point, she's kind of, I guess, chaotic neutral. Um, Emma's always like, especially when she took over the Massachusetts Academy and formed the Hellions, she's kind of grown into this person that while she doesn't go about things in the most legal way, um, 
deep down, Emma Frost actually cares about the students and the future of mutant kind. Um, and it's not until like the 2000s that they actually envelop her and kind of pull her into the X-Men cast itself and becomes a very, uh, you know, permanent member of the X-Men and, and formidable leader and that kind of thing. And she becomes even more amazing. Um, but yeah, she's, she's a little manipulative at this point. It's why she like, she, you know, the new mutants are depressed and sad. They can't snap out of it. Magneto's about to close the school. And so she knows that he's in trouble and kind of just uses this opportunity as a point to manipulate and further her agenda, which is to draw more of these students under her fold and be the one who shapes the new generation. Um, and, I mean, the story ends on a good note where she, you know, doesn't, like, try to keep the new mutants once they're kind of snapped out of their their funk she you know lets them go back to magneto and and make their own choices so yeah. she's not if you love them not, let them go yeah mm-hmm. so that's why I like chaotic neutral because um she's she's not good but she's not fully evil that, if, I, if i've said that right that was what i think is so compelling and complex about the quote unquote villains and and power struggle and dynamic in the x-men is it, it seems like you have those gray areas where it's it's a character like uh like an Emma Frost that is just more invested in mutant kind mm-hmm. and they're willing to to compromise the good of humanity for the yeah. benefit of the mutant but then you have someone like Charles Xavier that's saying no mutants humans can coexist we need to protect yeah. both like i think that struggle that push and pull is always really really um, like makes it more interesting than if it's just good guy, bad guy, want to destroy yeah, earth, you know, crazy evil man. Yeah. Um, who's just evil. Cause he's evil. I mean, even Magneto's not that, I mean, he originally was kind of introduced that way, but once they retconned and introduced this origin story of him, like you said, he's a Holocaust victim. Yeah. They added that depth of like, he doesn't trust humans because he already saw the worst version of them. He literally, yes. you know, survived Nazis. Yeah. And, and I think like Marvel suffers from mirror villain syndrome where it's just like, we're going to make Iron Man fight Iron Man <laughs> and, or it's like very true. really weak motivations. And why Thanos worked so well was it was a maniacal evil guy, but he had his like own justified, uh, you know, for the greater good motivation which mm-hmm. was pretty different and it kind of like you're like okay i kind of see where the psychopath is coming from with population yeah. control <laughs> um but i don't yeah. and i'm not a fan of eugenics <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah yeah and but you're you're at least like oh this is actually layered um yes. and i think that this, and, this is what i always get when i watch x-men for the most part or when i watch the good x-men stuff and i and yes. you get it from these characters like, like last stand yeah (laughs) no needle will touch my skin again and when you get it from like an emma frost where i'm like i don't know if emma frost is good or bad yeah i I can't spell that out exactly i love that there's that's the the the, i'd say you landed exactly on um a a shared feeling about the x-men where the villains are just as loved if not in some instances more loved than like the generic like actual superhero team of the x-men um they're 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 really a lot of them are really interesting some of them are like you know some sort of a a mutant trying to bring about the you know the enslavement of the entire human race like apocalypse um because he thinks that the mutants are superior and he's been around since ancient egypt but then you also have like 
crazy geneticists that are obsessed with uh, creating the most perfect uh, uh, creature, like Mr. Sinister. Um, or you do have a little bit of that, like um, the antithesis of a character like Professor X is a small man with the most powerful psychic mind in, on the planet. And his stepbrother is Juggernaut, Kane Marco, who through the powers of a mystic crystal has, you know, uh, unlimited strength and invulnerability. Um, he's oh the peak God. of, you know, physical power. I did not know that they were stepbrothers. They are stepbrothers. But um, now, now all I can imagine is them like sharing bunk beds together <laughs> doing activities obviously the funny version would be kane marco on top juggernauts on top the top bunk. <laughs> yeah. yeah and you, you know, know that the bunk is kind of like uh, burgeoning at the bottom yeah yeah no. professor x is just constantly looking up to see that that body coming yeah. down on top of him please juggernaut <laughs> your mass is but overwhelming yeah. Uh, Mystique is just one of the most like uh, complicated and complex characters ever and I love her because she's she's just chaotic chaotic like she is out for nobody but herself and possibly her wife um, who is the only person on this planet she's ever loved um, but uh, yeah so Mystique to me always reads as a character that's been really broken you know yeah well, she's 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 actually a little bit kind of like um she's kind of like a Wolverine where she's been around for so long because she's also um has uh it's not really been explored in the movies but Mystique's as old if not older than Wolverine oh um she, part of a, a a secondary nature to her shape shifting is that whenever she shape shifts she basically remakes her cells and so she doesn't really age. Are we talking um, like dinner at four o'clock or like apocalypse old. <laughs> Not apocalypse old, but like um, here I'll, I'll put this. Um, she they basically wrote into the comics that I think I've said this before on the podcast that um, her and her wife Destiny, who has who is a uh, a mutant with the power to see the future or futures. Um, Mystique, wait, their names are Mystique and Destiny. Isn't it so good? Oh my gosh, there needs to be a sapphic romance about these two. Oh, Look I mean, there this. is. It's called the X-Men. Um, <laughs> and uh, they uh, were uh, Mystique uh, presenting as a man and Destiny as a woman were actually uh, Sherlock and uh, uh, um, what's the uh, Sherlock's? Uh, no, not, not. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes and uh, his. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sherlock. Watson. Watson. No, not Watson. What's Sherlock's girlfriend? Oh, um, Watson. <laughs> No, I don't know what's her girl. name? I don't know her. Uh, uh, um, Irene. Irene Adler. Irene mm -hmm. Adler. So, uh, and actually, Destiny's name is Irene Adler. That's why it makes so much perfect sense. Um, and they, and it was, and it was just uh, the story of Sherlock Holmes and, and Irene Adler was actually just the story of uh, Mystique trying to solve mysteries um, with her wife, who knew the answers, but uh, would not let her. Aww. Would let try to let Mystique try to figure it out before I love she. That. Yes. So they're like that level old, or she is, um, and and uh, so yeah. So she's been so with that. I think with these characters that have been around for so long, that can really mess with your connection to humanity. Um, she's been she's been living as a mutant that long and has been spurned and hated by humanity for that long. And while Wolverine, you know, uh, had a different upbringing and uh, has a whole huge part of his history that was taken away from for so long. Uh, Mystique remembers everything. I mean, even her, the birth of her son, Nightcrawler, is uh, 
you know, laced with, um, she was presenting as like just a human at the time was married to a, a rich man, but, uh, through the pains of birth, um, she lost focus and turned to her normal blue form and her son who was born, was born blue and furry and was run off by the, the, the town. They, they tried to, you know, like pitchforks and yeah. torches kind of thing. And she had to abandon, uh, Kurt, um, who was then picked up by Romani, um, people. Um, and so she's got me- memories like that. And like, think about like, she is also, you know, uh, you know, gender fluid and queer. And so she's not only growing up as a mutant, but she's also a queer woman. And so mm-hmm. like, she's got a lot of reasons to not, to only look out for herself. Yeah. Um, she's that story that you could, you could turn into that jaded about humanity. Yeah. If you've got I, that many reasons I, to. I get it. Society really let her down. They did. We let Mystique down everybody. We got to do a better job of it. Um, but don't worry. She's been reunited with her wife and it's gorgeous. Um, but anyways, new mutants, um, big cast of, of students that are at uh, Xavier school under Magneto. They're all, you know, understandably depressed and can't keep focus on their schoolwork. They're also experiencing a shared nightmare that they're all kind of like going through together. Um, that visits them every single night, which would also really mess with your brain, I imagine. Um, and the nightmare ending with them finishing their battle uh, mm-hmm. once again and going to sleep in their graves, um, <laughs> literally pulling the dirt over their heads. Oh. I just, I just I have visions of like Billy from Hocus Pocus. Pulling yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's when I think of of this crew. I, I will say, I none of these new mutants stuck with me because I just didn't have that context for them are there any in this cast that like are really really important or significant or fan favorites i mean yeah uh i would agree some more than others um like while people maybe not are are not very much familiar with someone like karma or mirage excuse me um but like magic is a fan favorite who doesn't love a mystical uh sword wielding queen of limbo um and Cannonball was actually, uh, who's, who's his human name is Sam, Sam Guthrie. He's the one who can shoot himself at, you know, with propulsion and is invulnerable while he flies. Now, is Cannonball um, an Omega mutant? No, he's not. Okay. But <laughs> you only took about 42 minutes to bring up Omega level mutants. I'm actually, that's some restraint, Elise. Oh, I don't um, know who they are. It's just a running, oh, it's a running joke. The channel I work at, Funhouse, we have this running joke about who can name all the Omega mutants. And you guys never called upon me to we do We never it. did it. <laughs> You've been, and, you guys have done entire <laughs> runs of Marvel-based video game videos. And uh, I just seem to keep looking at my phone and no no, no call. Hmm. Could you have named them all for us? Like really? Not truly. all of them, but a good amount. I got at least named probably like, I don't know, 15 or 20. There are more than 15? Yeah. Um, it, the Omega... God, you can't be talking about everything. Sorry. Omega, <laughs> the Omega Level Mutants was never something that was like fully listed out until... Um, in 2019 when Jonathan Hickman did the soft reboot um, he in that since the X-Men were founding their own Krakoan Island nation they listed the Omega level mutants as their most valuable resource because if you have you know citizens that literally have unlimited powers in their power set they can do anything Um, and so in that book there's a nice little he kind of um, he loves to put in these like info dump pages that are mostly text um, in in between a lot of you know the art and those pages and in one of them he listed out the known omega level mutants I think it was like something less than 20 something around between 15 and 20 mutants 
Um, but no, none of them are new mutants. There are no Omega level mutants in the new mutants. Um, but I was going to say Cannonball was the first member of the new mutants to graduate and join the X-Men. Um, which was like oh. kind of the aim was to eventually graduate out of this thing and join the, the, you know, the big ranks, the varsity. This is like, um, like triple a baseball. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a big deal on the comics. Previously on X-Men. Hello students and welcome back. Um, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I uh, hope you're enjoying Elise. Um, there's even better stuff yet to come for the rest of this episode. I had so much fun with her. And speaking of my guest, I actually have some good news for faithful listeners of the show. Um, I actually am getting ahead on recording for the first time since like the holiday break. Um, and so I can actually tell you episodes that are coming up and who's going to be in them and what we're going to read and all that kind of stuff. So in two weeks, we got Bruce Green, good friend of mine, big streamer guy, um, and we read X-Men's Fatal Attractions, which actually crosses over through several titles, including X-Factor, X-Force, Uncanny X-Men, and X-Men. Um, so it's a beefy read. If you want to if you want to get ahead, I'd say start now. Um, it's great. It's one of, I was so happy to record this with Bruce. We, we had so much fun, but it's a lot of reading. And then two weeks after that, so four weeks from now, the next episode will be with James Willems, the partner of who you're listening to right now, Elise. Um, and he said that we could read Extreme X-Men, Chris Claremont's just masterpiece in my opinion sorry but that's that's just my opinion we're just gonna read issues one through four of extreme x-men which i love and it's i'm so excited to talk about it with james so we're ahead on stuff we're posting things on socials quite often i basically have stopped posting on like my personal socials just because i like posting x-men memes and pictures so i would suggest you go and follow us on twitter or instagram um you could uh interact with me in some fun way including the person who replied to my picture begging the Muppets to be X-Men um, or to do an X-Men production. They said, can the chef be apocalypse? That was boy V robot. And so at boy V robot, thank you for that. It genuinely gave me a chuckle. And speaking of people who give me a chuckle, it's my Patreon, Patreonized pat- patronizers. I don't know what to call you guys, but I appreciate you guys. And I'm going to call out. Yeah. I usually call out a few people, but you know what? I'm going to stick to one. I'm going to stick to the OG. My first patron patronizer. I don't know, but Connor, my dude thank you for patronizing me let's just go with that and if you want to do that as well you could do that as well i'm really good at talking in the mic i this is actually all scripted i don't know if you know that i've actually written everything down including what i'm saying right now so as the script dictates uh uh-huh yes i'm supposed to stop talking now and let you guys enjoy the rest of the episode please do so and thank you But yeah, I mean the the there's there's a lot of like fun characters that I've always loved. Um, I love uh, Cipher, uh, who's Doug Ramsey. He's a little blonde boy, who his mutant power is not very combative. He can read and understand any language he looks at, um, whether it be like you know uh, you know a human language or an alien language or even computer language. So he um, could read like a dead language. Mm-hmm. And and like something you know, say like an apocalypse apocalypse level like kind of classic villain presented itself, and he yeah could, he could you know that's cool. He actually serves right now as the translator for the island that they all live on, Krakoa, because Krakoa has its own language, and they um, needed to talk to their island. So uh, he's the translator. He's like best friends with the island, and in this book, he also has his longtime best friend Warlock, 
who is uh he's probably the weirdest one that you saw in there he's the weird like uh black and yellow alien creature that can morph yeah I th- yeah which i <laughs> if you had asked me like at least what was that character's name i would have said morph yeah um, yeah, yeah he's a very bit he's a bit so of his a name's morph warlock character. his name is okay. warlock and he's a member of an alien race called the technarchs who um they're a little bit like the Borg, if I had to reference some sort of science fiction, where they are out to just um, assimilate all organic life and absorb their life glow and turn them into technarchs themselves. Okay. Um, but he is a mutant um, because unlike the rest of his race, he can um, uh, experience emotions and empathy. Um, but so how did he be? So so in this race on whatever planet they're from, they also have mutants. Yeah. Like that, humans that, that, would. It's something they've they've um they've experimented with a few um alien races. Um, another one was they actually did it with the Brood, who are like the Xenomorphs from the Alien movie series. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one member of their race, and his name was Brew. Um, if you guys play the uh the uh game Marvel Snap, he's a character in there. Um, and he also was a mutant because he had uh like um actual. Uh, intelligence and and was not just like a ravenous you know alien um he could speak and and, and read and he wore little cute little glasses and he was cool <laughs> um but yeah uh warlock is a mutant from that race that they um they met with and then since he didn't fit in with his race he stayed with the mutants and Aww. actually became close friends with doug and so him and doug are like bffs and often he through his ability to morph into things protects Doug in the field. Cause Doug doesn't really have a combative ability. That's pretty sweet. I like They're very that cute. a lot. He's got a fun little way. He talks to kind of like, um, almost like a, a Yoda, like weird way of speaking. Me warlock. Things like, you Doug. Yeah. <laughs> Self friend is what he says. He says that, that kind of thing. Um, so he's, he's very sweet. Uh, he's that's like in the issue three of this when um, Magneto has realized that Emma Frost has um, manipulated the situation he's on his way to the Westchester school to uh, or the Massachusetts school to get them he's riding in a blackbird jet that is uh, just warlock he is turned into a, a big jet to transport his his friends mm. and so he's um, he kind of can turn into any any technological thing and he also can look like a human if he needs to I'd be so um, ticklish so- <laughs> just people riding inside of you touching yeah. your buttons and stuff yeah. yeah um the other other weird character that i'll tell people about is that there's a character here named mirage she's the only one that isn't really totally lost in the funk and she has a pegasus horse that's her friend cool um the reason why that i'll give it just a quick quick synopsis in a previous issue of this she the 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 new, the new mutants went on a trip to asgard we all know asgard thor's home um, and they had a whole adventure there. And while she was there, she um, joined. She became the, one of the Valkyries. So the Valkyrie. Oh, cool. And the Valkyries ride on Pegasi. Pegasus. Pegasus. I thought they were pretty exclusive. So they just let her. They let. Did they challenge her and say, like, you've got to do this if you want to be. Or they just let her in with open arms. It was kind of a thing where um, the the Pegasi uh, pick their rider oh, cool. and only Valkyrie ride them. And so she was picked by this one. Um uh, what's his name brightwind something like that um and so through the adventure through a few circumstances she became part of the valkyrie and she got like a few like extra little powers because of it. it's kind of cool she has a weird um ability where she has the death sight because the valkyries like herald people to the afterlife mm-hmm. um warriors 
and uh, she can kind of like see, yeah, uh, like a looming death on people. Um, like a cat in a nursing home. You hear those stories? A little bit, yeah. A little <laughs> bit like the cat in the nursing home. Um, so that's the only kind of other weird instance in here of a character that you'd be like, why does one of them have a horse with wings? That's why. Man, I love all the texture. I love like <laughs> learning all that little nuance to these characters. I guess that's what makes it special. Well, I want to hear you talk a little bit about this story of like, was there... What, John, what, was... I could not talk to you about this. <laughs> My life depended <laughs> on it. I was so confused. I, well, I, I, everything you're saying, I'm like, okay, now that you're like saying it, I I get that's what was going on. Um, but I, 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 I was just like just trying to keep track of who the it's characters I thought were. And I wasn't really sure what was trying to, to be achieved. And like I said, like I wasn't sure if Emma Frost was if who I was supposed to kind of be rooting for. Well, that's what I think you were exactly where you're supposed to be with her because you're supposed to be not know exactly if she's you're a, right a little wrong. apprehensive about her. Maybe. Yeah. Because you, you kind of get that feeling that she might be like even the way she dresses is is risque and and uh, a bit uh, provocative, um, and you can tell like she's just holding her cigarette and like playing with Magneto a little bit of like I could help your students that kind of thing. You're like, can she or can she not? Um, and then when, but then like when she does get them to go to her school and she joins them, she is like legitimately trying to help them. She she tries to alter their memories of the the whole dying thing um to try to actually fix them and and so that's that's in itself like uh uh you know ethically good thing to do mm-hmm. um but she has her own students there who which are the yeah, the, the hellions yeah and the hellions i can't recall do they get did they get along with the with the they don't they, uh historically they don't they're very much like you know the rival football team mm-hmm. that is the the one that you're always like the big game at the end of the year is all about um but i like how they they kind of write them at the end of this that after emma has taken on the new mutants has tried to rehabilitate them and and you know and then when magneto learns that she did a little bit of manipulation and her her student empath who can control emotions also played his oh, part yeah. in the whole thing um that she tries to divert magneto from g- coming and getting your students by calling into the cops essentially <laughs> that magneto is um on his way to steal her students um and so the avengers get called in and magneto has a whole fight with the avengers oh um, yeah but then after by the way <laughs> audience if you keep hearing elise saying oh yeah it's because elise and i talked about doing this in november of 2022 um and elise was great and immediately read the literature we just never got a time on the calendar to record it until now also it was really hard for me to kind of like remember some of this because i i just felt a little bit like confused reading it but now as you're like laying it out i'm like oh yeah and and the thing about comics especially this where i didn't have the background or the building blocks it just it just like they can just do whatever they want they're like okay the avengers show up Yeah, yeah bring them in (laughs) <laughs> okay, you this, know? this girl can turn into a purple cat. Just yeah. go with it. She can she can do that. Um, which, by the way, that's Cat's Eye, and she's a funny character because she um, actually thinks she's a cat. She's not just like a mutant who turns into cats. She thinks she's a cat. Oh, wait, but um, is she a mutant, though? She is a mutant. She's just a little not right in the head and thinks Aww. instead of that, that she's a human that can turn into a cat, she thinks she's more so a cat that turns into a human. 
She's a little confused, which is why she also has a weird way of talking. And she's so excited to meet the New Mutants member, um, Wolfsbane, um, who was in the movie, uh, New Mutants, um, played by Maisie Williams. Um, and she can turn into a wolf or like a werewolf, like half wolf kind of form. And so she's like, oh, a friend that can turn into an animal like me. I love this. Mm, but bad. what I was going to say was uh, that by the end of it all, when you know Magneto kind of deals with the Avengers and retrieves his students because they finally get out of their funk fully. Because I did of like how Magneto was like, I got to step up here and yeah, push, he kick some teeth them. in. Yeah. That um, they kind of end this whole thing of like the new mutants are going back to the school and the Hellions are like, I hope you always think of us as rivals, but not enemies. Um, Cause while we can like be trying to outdo each other, we're not actually trying to like kill each other or, um, destroy other mutants entirely and I like that that there's like they kind of like draw a line a little bit mm-hmm. of this is all we're all like teenagers just trying to mess with each other but I'm not actually trying to kill you there's a, so there's a respect there yeah um, which I, I that's part of the fun that I would recommend of why people should read the new mutants if they like it is because it's a little bit of a slice of life student story like there's actual rivals you know students and the students themselves deal with um, some really real and deep things, you know, um, you know, in this one, they're dealing with their, the idea of their mortality, but also they, there's like a little bit of like romantic drama and um, a little bit of a awkwardness of growing up. And they all come from different backgrounds. You've got um, Sunspot, who's this uh, Brazilian uh, kid who's from a rich family. And then you got Cannonball, who's this, podunk hick who's you know from a large family in in the south and you've got magma who is um this uh young girl from this secret roman cult civilization from the amazon that lived there um so they're all like from different weird backgrounds and so they all bring their own different stories to it and uh you know all have different kind of takes on things rain sinclair who's play who's wolfsbane she has like a religious background and she resents her mutantdom because it's an abomination to her you know religious upbringing um i think that's fun yeah that's a lot to unpack (laughs) (laughs) tell me um tell me about something from this story you do remember that maybe stood out to you as something you liked my gosh john I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull something from you. I'm gonna pull a moment, even I, just a, a an emotion. I feel like I need to like look at the covers. <laughs> well, okay, I'll give, I'll give a quick summary of each, of each like uh, issue. Issue one basically covered them dealing with their depression and Magneto trying to snap them out of it, but not being very good at the soft touch, and so he kind of keeps screwing up by like having outbursts with the students and. And he's like, you know, Professor X, you know, Xavier could have dealt with this. I'm just, I'm not used to this. And that's when Emma does show up and tries to offer like, you know, cause she feels the psychic anguish even all the way to her school. And so she comes to try to offer help. And so then issue two is, you know, the students going to Emma's school and kind of like trying to work their way into with the Hellions. And that's when Emma does a little bit of that psychic therapy and they seem like they're a little bit better, but it's kind of like a false positiveness. And that I was also expecting like that there was, I I feel like when I was reading that, I thought that there was some other a CD like machination, like there there was, there was some other alternative or, or ulterior motive in that, or she was trying to like brainwash them in some way that I just, I couldn't absorb that at face value to trust that's what she was trying to do and i'll say they didn't like 
they weren't really blatant in writing that in. So your confusion, I think, is warranted. Sometimes not everything gets fleshed out on the page and you kind of have to jump to your own conclusions. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit of this insinuated that along with, you know, removing their memories of the situation, she was kind of giving them false happiness instead of actually dealing with their emotions in hopes of just keeping them at her school because Magneto can't deal with it. He actually can't help them um, because she just selfishly wants the students to be her students. Um, but See, since I, she never, I thought there was going to be something where she was going to turn them against Magneto. Yeah. Or like, you know, I think that could have been there, but I think what it resulted in was that instead, since they never actually dealt with their sadness, it's like, you can't just put your, your trauma and depression into a box and go, okay, that box sits there and I'm just not going to think about it. That's not actually coping and processing things. Um, the students aren't actually, you know, fixed. And when they see that Magneto comes to kind of like really pick them up and save them, um, that, you know, that's why in the, in like one of the last panels of the third issue, they kind of talk about where, you know, the white queen tried to do telepathic surgery, but it, it didn't quite, quite fully, fully take them out of it. Um, but cause there was like an emotional cost to the whole thing. Um, and that in the end they needed, you know, just Magneto to show that he cared and was there for them and and you know understood they were going through something and wanted to just um help them through it best you can instead of just like putting them in the gym and taking them to a dance and distracting them um in the end they just wanted you know dad to hug them and and um show that he was sad for them um which i think is a good you know moral at the end of it yeah um it's hard for some men to do that and magneto is just like that I, I did like when he stepped up, when he finally we're getting ma conflicted Magneto, who's like actually going to make a decision here and intervene. Um, what, did, what did you think about his fight with the Avengers, if you recall anything about that? <sighs> He's like, it's it's kind of a weird iteration of the Avengers where it's Captain America and Wasp, but then it's also like Black Knight and Hercules, yeah, um, and that kind of thing. And like, and like, I just remember a lot of like, "Don't throw your hammer; he'll be able to manipulate it." Or like, like you know, it's like the classic <laughs> Magneto of them being like, "No, don't use that because he can do that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but he's like, he's like pulling his punches the whole time because he's like not actually trying to kill no. the Avengers. No, and but do you think they were trying to kill him? Well, I, you know. I think they were trying their best to fully subdue him because in their eyes he is and forevermore will be this mutant terrorist who is trying oh, has tried to take over the world. That should be imprisoned. Yeah. Um and it's like all it took was one phone call from just a teacher. They don't even know who she is, a teacher in Boston, um, who to just get them to go like, Yep, yeah, we'll suit up and go take care of him. Like they didn't even think let's talk to magneto they i mean even him flying in that blackbird it's taken down because hercules just slams into him and destroys poor warlock um who like kind of like almost evaporates oh, yeah. and magneto falls out of him and that kind of thing they didn't even take a moment to talk kind of a hot-headed avengers version which is also pretty wild because like those are the students you're i mean yeah um it, the, i mean they don't they don't know that warlock is just a child alien but yeah they totally like almost kill him and that whole time they're fighting magneto is just trying to protect warlock um who is in a weakened state because a big old grecian demigod destroyed him 
We've all been there, John. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's basically a summary of the story. Um, I feel like I know the answer to this, but like how how difficult. I mean, it sounds like this is a very <laughs> difficult story to jump into, which is bound to happen. Like not every one of these stories is going to be easy to jump into. And I did tell you, you know, I tried to warn you, although it doesn't really do much good, that this is going to be a big cast story. It's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, I think if I had the background for all the characters, I could have navigated just jumping in at a that random entry point a bit better. I was like I said, I was intrigued and I really, really, really like that whole starting point of the New Mutants wrestling with their like refound um, life and Mm -hmm. the remnants of their death. Like, I think that's, that's super cool. And that's the kind of stuff that like would pull me into a comic. Like if you said to me, you know, all the X-Men died and, and if your elevator pitch was the X-Men have died and they've been brought back to life and they're wrestling with that, I'd be like, cool. That's like I described earlier that I, when I used to read more superhero comic books, I always liked what's, how are we flipping the expectation or the history or the trope of this of it on its head? That was the kind of stuff that I would have been into. So yeah, and and it sounded like you might have been a little bit drawn to Emma Frost a little bit or intrigued by her a little bit. Yeah, she's cool. I think I think not being able to like put a label on her, pin her down, is a really fascinating thing. And uh, it's a shame that the movies didn't really land that correctly. No, they kind of turned her into a caricature of a of a woman um, that really didn't serve much of a role in that movie. Um, but she's amazing in the comics. And as you can see, we, I mean, I, I did throw you in the deep end of like old comics. Like this is 1986. So I appreciate you uh, rolling with the punches on this ancient text. It just, you know, what it, it's uh, for me, I'm like 1986. That's only like 10, 15 years ago because <laughs> my brain still We're does old. that. I know. <laughs> I know. We were, I don't know, I was two when this was released. Um, I know you're close to my uh, age. Yeah, I was born. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's it's from, uh, you know, an old era. But I wanted to, I thought maybe a little bit of a classic read. And, and while it's confusing, I still think Claremont does a pretty good job of, you know, writing drama and character emotion. And that oh, yeah. And just for the record, the confusion is like is native to me it's not the writing or the i'm just i was just a weird jumping in thing well yeah Yeah. i mean you i don't other than magneto and until we got to the avengers and you saw like someone like uh i don't even know of the avengers captain america thor recognize yeah um well thor was even in it it was hercules oh oh, okay Um, well i had seen the tease from the newest movie (laughs) (laughs) and but like i was gonna say other than those like these are all new characters you've never seen like it was you know the the new mutants are a team of like uh i don't know six or seven and then the hellions are another like five or six characters and they all have their different power sets and uh you know some can even look like another one so it's sometimes hard to figure out who you're actually looking at um so I, it's a lot. Um, so if uh, you, the listener, are listening to this and being like, I don't know if I can read these, like hopefully after listening to this episode, you might be able to jump in and know these characters a little bit better um, because the New Mutants are, are a very fun uh, spinoff from the X-Men that um, it deals with like, they even got a little bit more science fiction-y and mystical with the New Mutants because even um, Magic, who's Ileana Rasputin, Colossus's sister his younger sister um she 
you know, she uses her teleportation in this comic to transport the students around, but they mention that she keeps going to limbo and limbo in like the Marvel comics is almost like another hell. Um, it's full of its own demons and monsters and through certain stories that happen, um, magic is like the queen of limbo and, and kind of has a, a dark version of her called dark child that she's trying to fight against this whole time. Um, and so that's a, that's a fun little, character in it um and so so. these these characters that are stuck in limbo do they ever cross that line and return to earth yeah i mean um it's it's like again it's 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 very much like another kind of like hell almost which is why i can't remember which issue of this she even brings her like number one demon sim s-y-m he's that big purple horned demon that she brings um into you know our realm for a moment in this series um, and then sends him back. And so, yeah, the new mutants actually have plenty of adventures that send them back and forth between limbo and, and the evil people there, because the reason why she's the queen of it was that she was captured there at one point by the, by Belasco, who was like the king of limbo. Um, and she like defeated him and became the queen. John, you knew um, so much. I know too much. No, it's I, it's, it's I really, really impressive. I'm looking at the wave file of this episode. And it's just me talking. No, I, but I love so listening to it because I love lore and I love distilled lore like this. Where like, obviously I don't have the bandwidth to go and read uh, decades and decades of X-Men comics, <laughs> but I love just hear, and you're, you speak on it so informed and you know exactly what it is. And I just could listen to you talk at a high level about like, here's all these characters, their relationships, where this came from. Like, it's super interesting. And like, you are like an archivist and like a librarian for this. It's. I think it's. You're too kind. No, I mean, I'm. I'm not. I'm completely genuine here, and and like it's X Men should be like calling you. <laughs> I feel like Marvel and Disney. It's cool. Well, yeah, it's, it's I'm a, sure they. It's a cool I'm sure knowledge the phone call base. Will come any day. I think it's a cool knowledge base to have. I I, I well I will agree with you on that. It's why I. I've read so much of them and why I keep reading them. Like this story wasn't something that I read, you know, back in the day. I, I, I picked this up and, and kind of read this myself for the first time for this episode because there is still like, again, these characters have been around since the 1960s. And while, you know, at that time it was one title and then this got added a second title for a majority of their history, they've had up to like, you know, five, six to eight different titles with an X name on it. So there's there's a lot to read. Still but- haven't read it all. I think even you that you're going and you're reading these like new mutants runs that you're not that familiar with or you haven't read, but you have this well and this legacy that you can draw on. And then you, you have uh, this backstory or, you know, these characters and you can pull from those other runs that it, it informs and it gives nuance to what you're reading. Like, cause you're obviously reading this stuff in a completely different way than I am. Or I think even somebody who has read, x-men like you're reading it in a completely different way like you're Mm -hmm. doing literary analysis on x-men new mutants (laughs) yeah i mean uh i I, yeah i i completely agree with that because it's something that has definitely been going on for a long time with these stories because they are because they are deep down a metaphor for the other for the lesser for the minority um but that definition 
has, you know, kind of uh, become flexible and has included, you know, more than just like where it was originally a bit of a, a metaphor for, you know, what it was like growing up being a Jewish child. And it's evolved into like other minority groups, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, non, you know, pe- people of color. And then beyond that, like the queer community. And while they weren't overt about, you know, queer representation of this, there were so many for so many years, members of the community who were reading these characters as like, um, as you know, actually queer characters, they just couldn't say yet because editors said you weren't allowed to say stuff like mystique and destiny were introduced in that way. And they were just were never able to say that it was her wife. They were just like, they were roommates that were always around each other and, and only liked each other and, and were really close. But all the queer kids were like, that's, that's some lesbians right there. I can, I can tell. Um, and same with like when they finally released that Iceman is gay is that there's a huge community of people that were like, we've known Iceman has been written gay since the beginning. They just haven't been able to, you know, overtly say it. Um, so yeah, that's what I mean. I'm trying to say like, yeah, there's interpretation being done all the time with these comics because they're so, you know, layered and, and deep and there's so much to them. Um, so that's why I guess probably why I love analyzing them and reading them and talking Uh, about them yeah especially like the way you're talking about like written metaphorically i'm sure sometimes as an act of protest of like well you want us to suppress this group or this sentiment well we're just gonna hide it in here and people you know people can pull it out and and they'll get it well it's like with any writing uh job and you are a writer yourself so you've dealt with this where you might have your original intentions for certain things but if you're writing for someone else and it's not just your project you have an editor or a boss or a manager something like that um sometimes you have to you know kill some of your babies to um get the job done and you can't Mm -hmm. tell the whole story you meant to tell from the beginning and that was always the case here as well where editors had their sway and when titles shifted over to another person's, you know, pen, they also change stories the way they wanted. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of just malleability in all of this. I subvert all my manifestos in my work, <laughs> as you know, <laughs> my many, many manifestos. Yeah, I know that about you. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, sorry. I appreciate you putting up with me and this story no it it wasn't putting up it, I, I genuinely i mean it when i say that like i i have enjoyed and like listening to you talk about this stuff well maybe if i pick something that might be a little bit easier to get into i might be able to someday down the line convince you to come do this again with me because um to be frank i will take literally any opportunity to talk with you work with you do anything with you because i adore you i adore you john and likewise have the muppets ever met the x-men do we know they haven't i mean they're both disney owned properties now i know i am i i have made that uh, someone asked that question a while back of me and i put it into like a little video i did for the patreon (laughs) of this podcast and they were like which what muppets would be which x-men and i you know i kind of went through it a little bit because yeah like head canon i have that in here where i'm like because you you're like me at least you think the muppets can tell any story um yes uh, even though i do think the most compelling is their own the the most compelling is their own but they are also great storytellers of like great literature you know muppet treasure island and muppet christmas carol are just great examples of that and um i think the muppets could tell an x-men story there could be some sort of crossover i think it would be great can you give i know that that's for patreon supporters but could you give me just like a little taste of one of your oh God. picks if you remember I, do, 
I, I don't, don't even remember. I think I, I think I did like, you know, I thought Kermit as Cyclops makes sense. I but don't know I, why. I thought Kermit as Cyclops too. Well, he gets a leader role and he's the, the, the boy scout. You know, um, I don't know why my brain went Statler and Waldorf as Magneto and Charles Xavier. Maybe because they're the most humanoid. <laughs> That's uh, great. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I, I, but I, I think where I differentiate from some people's opinions is that while, so Miss Piggy would obviously have to Emma be Frost? some sort of love interest. I said Emma Frost because, um, at, in the two thousands, Cyclops and Emma Frost became a, an item, mm-hmm. um, and have, were an item for a long time until, um, Jean got resurrected and they kind of got back together. But, um, Miss Piggy's more of an Emma than a Jean mm-hmm. by a long shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Well, you tell, you tell me one of yours. Uh, I definitely think Gonzo is Nightcrawler. That's a good one. It the the blue furs the, there already. It, yeah, and then also just kind of the outcast, the the whatever, the weirdo. The weirdo yeah. Yep. Um, the one who's very like visually different from everybody mm-hmm, else. Mm-hmm. Acts um, different. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's a good one. Um, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to find an excuse to talk more yeah. about puppets also. Because um, you and I can talk about that all day long. Mm-hmm. That and Frasier. <laughs> and dogs well before i uh i let you go i would love for you to tell my listeners where you would love them to find more of you if they wanted to seek out some more elise willems content um well i make a podcast with the beautiful jessica vasami called 30 morbid minutes where we explore morbid and macabre history and topics uh you can see me on funhouse most days which is a comedy gaming channel you can catch me on All Good No Worries, which is a feminine-leaning channel hub where we have content um, that, you know, we do makeup shows and, um, which, John, I would love to have you and stuff, too. Um, I would love to. I, I want to make sure that All Good No Worries has plenty of time to let the, the femme individuals star in it. Um, but, man, I would love to do, uh, 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 what is it, Just Blend? Yes. We'd love to I have you love on to. it. Um, and... Uh, I also wrote a children's novel called The Night in you Halloween did. House. You're bringing it up. It's hard for me, but I'm doing it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's great. I love thanks. that you're a published author. Also, you know, well, we're not Halloween House. Pick it up. You can pick it up on Amazon right now. Yes, and uh, thanks so much for having me, John. It was delightful. Well, you're always a delight, and I, I was very happy to have you on. Um, I wanted to make sure that I got the better Willems first. Appreciate that. Um, well, my husband is coming on this podcast too, and he'll come. He in. Is, he's going to come in hot. He's going to come in hot. He's he's got he's got some spicy takes. I know on the X Men, and he's he's also a, a comic nerd like you, and so he has well, his more own. way more so than me. Well, I mean, he's read more of the mainstream stuff. Does but does he read as much of the the like the more independent uh, other title stuff like Fables and stuff? No, I, I, I yeah, I feel like that. he reads more of the mainstream stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. He's a poser. You're reading like the deep cut <laughs> stuff. You know, you're reading fables and unwritten and, and mentioning things like chew. That's great. I love that you that's where you're at. Um, did you ever get into saga? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Saga's great. I've, I've been waiting for the, the second comp- uh, compendium. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Paper Girls is also a great call. That's a, 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 a what's his name? Uh, Vohan uh, book. Um, and he's also written a bunch of X-Men. Um, in fact, we just covered one with uh, Griff that was on an episode where we read a Mystique title that he wrote. So same author as uh, Paper Girls. I'm like looking at my shelf trying to... I mean, that's that's a great... I mean, the fact that you can turn and look at oh. a bookcase that has comics. Big nerd. Yeah, but I should read more comics. 
You should. I Everyone should. should. Reading's good for you. Um, but thanks again for being on the show. And thank you to the audience for listening. Um, appreciate you guys being here. If, like I said earlier, um, I mentioned earlier, this is, um, if you really enjoy this and want to support it, you can go join us on the Patreon and see stuff there. And there's some early release stuff. And I, every once in a while, when I can have time, I put up a little video for y'all in there. But um, otherwise, appreciate you guys checking this out. I hope you guys read some more comics in the meantime. Um, and until the next episode, I'll catch you later. Thank you, Elise. Thank you, Joan. All right. Bye, everybody. No needle shall touch my skin again. <laughs> do you do a tail sink? No, we okay. can cut it there. Okay. <laughs>